All right, what's up, everybody? It's your pal Val, <laughs> and welcome to our new episode. I believe this is number eight. Kind of crazy.、Uh, we only have, including this episode, three left before the end of the semester. So it's a special time to be here on your pal Val, and I thank all who are listening. Wow, I still can't believe when people come up to me and say I listen to your podcast today. I kind of freak out about it, but anyway, we have a very special guest today on. And her name is Ella, and she's amazing. And why don't you say hi? Hello, everybody. A lot more people than Val ever gives credit to. I'm sure are listening. But hello. I know. Thank you for having me. Of course. This is the <laughs> guest that literally made the podcast. Oh no! Don't don't give me that much credit, please. please <laughs> no, please. I mean, literally, we were having conversation. It was September, and I, we、was. were sitting outside the diner, and we were talking about what my ideas were going to be, what I was doing. You literally helped me form everything. You know, <laughs> I credit Ava with the name, hundred percent. Yes, you, Ava.、Um, And everybody helped, but you really just were like, "You got to do this and this and this in your vision." And you were so good at it. You were so encouraging. Oh, I am glad. Eight weeks later, and we all love it. Thank you. It's amazing. I know. It brightens up my Tuesdays. Wow, that's <laughs> so amazing. And we wanted you to be on earlier, and then you got sick, and now we're in the midst of the end of the semester crunch. We are. And、um, I don't think I've ever come more unprepared into an episode. <laughs> But you、It's、know、okay. what? I'm encouraged because we have so many real conversations all the time. We to do to the point where it's like we could talk about anything. It'll be interesting, hopefully, right? Yes, our conversations are unlike any other. For、They、sure, they、really、are. <laughs> so,、um, something we like to do here on your pal Val is begin with a song, just to kind of set the tone, get people excited. I don't know. Discuss why this song means something to you. And do you want to? Briefly say the song title. We'll play it and then we can talk about it after. Okay, sure. The song is called "The Night Is Still Young" by Nicki Minaj. All right, so here we go. Tonight is the night that I'ma get twisted. Mix Moscato and vodka, I'ma mix it. Roll that spaceship, we 'bout to get lifted. Live in the present, that gift is for the gifted. This what you came, this what you came for. You get what you buy, this what you pay for. So make sure the stars is what you aim for. Make mistakes though.
Very relaxing. I feel like it kind of <laughs> put us in the zone, maybe? Yeah. So, why did you choose that song? Um, well, I'm a Nicki Minaj stan, for sure. Always have been, always will be. Um, but actually, that song came on in my room one of the first weekends we were here oh, wow. on campus. And I we were kind of, like, meeting new people, settling in, yes. And... I just remember that song coming in, coming on in my room, and I don't even... Were you there? Do you remember? There was, like, a group of people there, and I don't even remember who it was, to be honest. But the song came on, and all of us just started singing it. Like, oh, yeah. we all just we all just knew the song. And I was like, wow, maybe this is, like, the college experience, <laughs> you know? And I'm not sure that that is. That might be a niche experience, but... I thought it was kind of nice, and it was like us bonding over Nicki Minaj, of all things. But, Aww. yeah, so I love that song. I love that, because, you know, it's hard to make connections with new people, and I yes. think that we have maybe a breakthrough moment, and we realize, I can connect with <laughs> Yes. And I think coming into college, we have, I, I guess, I don't want to say like our past selves of who we were at home and the school that we were used to. I grew up in a school that I knew everybody from kindergarten to 12th grade. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, I don't know, in a certain way you felt boxed in. I mean, I and some people subscribe to that more than others and felt they had to be a certain way, but now we all really just get to reinvent ourselves. Yes. And how does one do that? Uh, well, it's a path we're still trying to navigate. I, too, though, come from like a small suburban town, went to this went to school with the same kids from pre-k to 12th grade so I definitely resonate with that um but I think part of like trying to reinvent yourself kind of just has to start with like this image that you've always painted yourself to be and whether or not that actually like speaks to who you want to be or if it's the image that you painted to fit in within some type of like stereotype or I don't know like idealistic viewpoint um and since coming here I've realized that all the things I feel like I used to value in my character are not things that I really wish to be anymore and I think that's just part of being in a new environment so I think that journey of redefining yourself is kind of like ongoing like it never really stops um and it just fluctuates with things that you're interested in things that inspire you things that you value and those are like constantly changing depending on the stage of life that you're in and your goals and you know college has its own plethora of endeavors so (laughs) yes that's for sure and I love that perspective because I like to pride myself on my authenticity and I just I don't know I don't have anything to hide I am who I am and I feel like I'm a polarizing character maybe (laughs) but I think you just either like me or you don't you vibe or you don't really I don't know I think you're a very personable person well thank you I think you can kind of like I don't know you just take control of the room no matter who's there I don't think that's true that's interesting I don't know I feel like I'm maybe it's own my own insecurity speaking out or whatever but it's just like I don't know. I either vibe with people or I don't. I don't know. I just I like to be authentic in situations, and I don't like to pretend that I'm not a certain way. I mean, I've literally given up lying for I don't know how long. That's just who I, I just don't do it anymore because I just don't see value in it. And if you can't like me for who I really am, then what's the point? Exactly. I admire that so much about you. I've never met someone who could think something and say it as quickly as you can. Oh, like if if I move that fast through life, I feel like things would be a lot simpler. It's the Jersey in me, I gotta say. We move fast <laughs> pace. Like, we just talk fast and, and move on. Like, people, mm-hmm. I do talk fast. I get that. But at the same time, keep up with the pace, you know? Yes. Yes. But yeah, there's something to be said for slowing down. I get that. We're all changing, constantly evolving. And I think that mm-hmm. college makes us recognize that more. But maybe when we're 40 years old and maybe re-listening to this, if I ever post it somewhere. You will. <laughs> I will hold you accountable for that. Well, thank you. We can be like, wow, we're still discovering ourselves. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you never really know. Yes, you n- never. And that brings me to um, a little point we put there. Identity. How do you know who you are? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. I really hope that this is not the usual preparedness. But anyways. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. <laughs> identity. Um, You don't know who you are. I hate to break it to you, but... 
you just don't because if you knew who you are, how would you ever grow? Like if you were, if you already met that point in your life, like mm-hmm. we, okay, little insight, but I did a project on mental health and lovely pal Val here. Oh gosh. She actually was an interviewee for the research portion of my project. And we talked about how mental health is not like, it, there's no end goal. There's no, like, oh, I want to be happy. Okay, well, if you're happy, then you're neglecting every other emotion that you could possibly experience. So why would you want to do that? Like, there's no goal that you're trying to reach. And I think that finding your identity is kind of in the same vein. Like, you don't – if you were seeking something, then you're implying that at one point, whether you, like, are religious or not, you believe that someone, something, created you with a goal of how you would exist in this world. Like, isn't that really limiting to your character and to what you can become? So I personally think that, and I, this might be a hot take, but your <laughs> identity is not something that you become. It's something that you make. You decide on how to create and present yourself to the world, and that might change throughout your life and throughout what's going on in your experiences. And there's no goal to be reached, rather just like experiencing whatever's going on in your life and taking those new learnings and those new understandings and those new questions even because you don't have all the answers to the world and presenting, you know, whatever that looks like out to other people and to new places. I cannot nod my head any harder. (laughs) I'm like, (laughs) you just, you never know. Like, you are who you want to be. And people just don't realize that. If you want to be, like, I mean, some things are easier said than done. I get Mm -hmm. that. But... You want to be more creative, insert yourself into creativity. You want to be, like, a more friendly person, walk up to people and talk to them. I know that's hard for some people, and I get mm-hmm. that. I'm an extrovert. I'm, I don't understand that. <laughs> but I think that, you know, like, even for me, trying to be more attentive and not talk all the time because I'm a talker, it just takes practice in saying I can do that as long as I'm reminding myself and training myself. And mm-hmm. you really can do anything. It We limit ourselves so much by our thinking and saying we can't do that when really we can go so much further than we give yes. ourselves credit for. And going back to that, I believe, we'll see, the answer is that there is no answer, right? Yes. We had a little light bulb moment last night. <laughs> that it's was the key like, takeaway. <laughs> yeah, it's super contradictory, but if you think you have everything figured out, you just don't. Like there's something that you're missing. There's yes. something that you're not paying enough attention to. Yes. Yeah. We're all just out here living our best lives and well trying to do the best we can yes right and so if we look at other people and be like they really have it put together you don't know what's going on behind the scenes and you know it doesn't really serve others to put up a front and people who are going to judge you for who you really are just that's an automatic red flag okay they're not going to accept if they can't accept me for who i am now they never will well i don't want to put people in boxes but (laughs) it's not worth the time and energy yes and also you mentioned like the concept of comparison like comparing yourself to other people Mm. but like you can't tell me that your goals parallel anyone else's like there's no there's no way because we all have different values and our goals in theory should mimic those values in some way they should like somehow manifest those beliefs that we hold so strongly and so you and I like we get along great but you're the biggest extrovert I've ever met, and I <laughs> consider myself an extreme introvert, and I'm, you know, we just, we approach life in very different ways, yet we still get along, so why would I ever compare myself to you? Because right. the ways in which we we navigate our relationship as friends is so, so, so different, like, internally. So, therefore, you know, I, it's not fair for me to compare myself to you and say, oh, well, Val is so extrovert, and she's able to just go up to people, because that's not me. That's right. not true to who I am and my values, but it goes, it works well for you. And I, all I can do is step back and say, she's doing great, claps for Val, love that about her, I admire that about her so much, but I can also recognize that that's not who I am. And to put that front on and to fake that, for me, wouldn't be saying true to who I am and true to myself. I agree with that 100% because we also have to think about the fact that there's one and only you. And I know that, you know, sometimes it's beneficial for me to think of myself as a speck in the grand scheme of the universe. That helps me a lot. But also at the same time, 
your set of DNA and the way that you're created will never exist again. Just like mm-hmm. the sunset, it only happens once. And that's what makes it so special. So if you're trying to be somebody else that already exists, you're doing the world a disservice by right. not being you. And I think of it in the way that, okay, I maybe have like a broader scope of meeting different people, but you make so many more meaningful connections because you take that time to really investigate and, and weed out different people. And just when you do give somebody attention, it's so much more special because you're really just like looking at who they are and it's just it's beautiful wow thank you so we but all i have think pros and cons. yes and i think recognizing the cons just as much as the pros mm-hmm. in each other and our different strengths and weaknesses is what allows people to connect so strongly like we have in the last mm-hmm. few months i love that because i think that society has so many pressures on us to make us feel like we're not doing enough or we need to be better that it Sometimes, like, recognizing your, the strengths that you do have can seem like you're being cocky or full of it or what. It just – but in reality, we, we the, the worst critic that we have is ourselves. Mm-hmm. And we need to work harder and just, like, praising ourselves for the little things that we're doing. Mm-hmm. And how would you ever become, like, amazing at something if you didn't recognize the things that, you know, you did well? Like, yeah. how would you ever – become a master in whatever it is that you consider your trade if all you ever focused on was all the things that failed on your path to get there you wouldn't right you have to have the courage to fail to succeed which Mm -hmm. is scary but i mean nothing i always say nothing worth doing is ever easy so it's just it takes time and I don't know. We we sound like we have it all together, but we're internally. Oh, we <laughs> this is bullet points on a page, y'all. Yes, that's so funny to say that because my dad, me and my dad are very close, and um, he used to coach me when I was little. And when like eight or nine years old, maybe, I remember him saying, "Anything worth doing is worth doing right." And now that's like, if I say mm-hmm. bye to him, that's what he says to me. It's Aww. it's become our little our little thing. And it's so true, though. Like, if you're not going to dedicate your wholehearted being to something, why do it? Why why put in – I'd rather put in no effort than put in minimal and walk away knowing I didn't put in my best effort. Right. I think that sometimes the world will tell us we need this X, Y, Z thing. And it's like we don't even want that. It's just so we can be, I don't know, accepted into society. and. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think that the way that that breaks down, it's it's obviously societal level. I'm a sociology major, so I get <laughs> I get too into this sometimes. But on an individual on an individual level, we can make those changes in ourselves, and then that will have a ripple effect that you literally yes. will not even be able to imagine. Yes. So anyway, this is a very interesting conversation because you will be coming back. <laughs> I don't next know. Next season, perhaps first guest. I don't know. Oh, don't want to put that. Wow. I mean, the, everything's still up That's in the air. Will there be a season two at all? Yeah. <laughs> no, take that back right now. There will most certainly be a season two. Yeah. Not even debatable. I know. Maybe we'll just, like, come into the studio just for the podcast. We should. And even if we don't, like, me. make it live. We could just talk. We could just chat. <laughs> Catch up. <laughs> oh, I love that. That's so sweet. <laughs> um, but, yeah, speaking of college, we kind of want to talk about the way that we're encountering people and there's so many people in our age group in a way that's almost overwhelming yes because i feel like even when you're in your hometown you have that mix of okay this is my grade but then there's a ton of other grades Mm -hmm. that range like 10 years and then you have parents all around you and random people in your town like you're just not here yeah there's yeah there's older people around but students are the masses Yes. I like that you said it's overwhelming because it is. And I feel like I'm someone who typically surrounds myself with people not my age. So I'm the youngest. Yes. So I'm the youngest of three. So and there's pretty big age gaps between me and my sisters. Um, And I'm also the youngest grandchild. Mm. So like in a familial sense, I've always I'm always the baby. and then in a work environment, most of, like, the summer jobs that I've had or jobs throughout high school that I've had, I'm working with children. Mm. So I'm the oldest in the room, and now I have, I'm, have i like, some authoritative figure. So it is kind of strange for, like, my community here at Fairfield to be my age. It's very different. But I know we talked about maturity. <laughs> Just because people are the same number age as you does not mean that they are as mature as you or 
more mature than you in some cases, rare cases, but some cases. <laughs> um, I but that. I feel like it kind of sheds light on how maturity manifests in different people. I it's kind of scary. I know. And that kind of, I mean, all of what you said is so amazing. I just, I'm going to let that stand for itself because that was beautiful. Wow, oh, thank um, you. But how do you, okay, so now we're 18, right? How do you mm-hmm. know when you're an adult? When did you first feel like you're an adult? Talking about the maturity. I'm interested to know, when did Alan McCaslin feel like she was an adult? Oh, wow. Okay. I feel like there are a few milestones. Mm. So, first of all, eight, like turning 18 to me sound, like meant nothing, <laughs> right. to be honest. I, it might be because it was like during quarantining, I was mm-hmm. still learning from home. That, it might be that, um, but even beyond that, like even if COVID wasn't a thing, I still don't think it would have been turning 18 because mm-hmm. I kind of feel like I was an adult before that, which mm-hmm. sounds, it sounds like narcissistic, I know, <laughs> but I kind of feel like I grew up fast, again, maybe because I have older siblings, so I kind of watched them grow up and just took after them, mm-hmm. um, but I kind of feel like I've always been a m- more mature for my age. I don't know why that is, per se, but driving a car, for me, was like, wow, I'm I'm grown. Like, you can't yeah. tell me anything. I'm an adult now. <laughs> don't tell me what to do. I, I think it was just the freedom of being able to go anywhere mm-hmm. I want to go whenever I wanted. Um, but, yeah, for me, that was a moment where I was like, dang, like, I d- I'm doing the dang thing. I'm an adult. You, you like, you can't tell me what to do. Um, so driving a car, but also at some point throughout high school, I feel like my parents kind of stepped back. Mm-hmm. They kind of just let me do my thing. Um, and it, I mean, it had to do with like things that were going on in my family that were far more important that they needed to focus on. But so it wasn't intentional per se, mm-hmm. but I think that them kind of focusing their attention away from me forced me to grow up in a sense. Um, and at the time I wasn't appreciative of that. And I still wonder what it would have been like if that, like those things didn't happen and they could have spent more time with me or like focused on, on me more. Mm -hmm. Um, but I'm grateful in a sense that that happened because it did like give me a sense of the real world and reality beyond my 7,000, like hometown, you know, it, I was forced to grow up in that sense. Um, and I'm grateful for that because now I feel like I'm a step ahead. I'm kind of used to being independent and college is like the time where everyone is forced to be independent. Like, yeah, you got to shout out Catherine. If you're listening, do your own laundry. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but you know, things like that. And people are like, Oh, you know, I'm like, my parents aren't here to help me, but I've always done my own laundry. Well, I have like seen I've mom always in the laundry room at jokes. I was appalled. Family weekend. Wow. Oh, that's yeah. evil. You yeah. invite your family here and you make them do your laundry. It wow, was... that's so mean. But I agree with I, I <laughs> hear you out, and I think that just being a, a younger sibling in general is a lot. Yeah. And also, okay, but then at the same time, even though we're in college, we're in a somewhat incubated environment, and yes. we both kind of discuss that as, especially Fairfield mm-hmm. as a whole, just the way that it's set up. It's it's wonderful here, and I think that we both came to the realization that maybe that's good for us to be in like a, a comfy blanket in a world yeah. that is not like that, and pro- for both of us, really hasn't been that. Um, and I I think for us, it's a little weird to see encounter people that have always had that and it's not any different for them yeah and we have connected over realizing how much it really is that way and it's kind of freaky and scary sometimes yes but growing to accept it and appreciate it be like this is a break that you deserve this is normal this is okay Mm -hmm. it's hard sometimes it is and we've talked about this before about how campus here is safe Mm -hmm. and not in the sense i mean yes like literally it is safe like whatever yes but but it's safe in the sense that I feel like I'm never pushed outside my comfort zone. I have to do that myself. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot of pressure, I feel like, because I feel like I've always been in situations where pe- other people have pushed me outside my comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Um, and we talk about a lot how people here are all the same. <laughs> and I don't mean that in a mean way. It's not a bad thing, but mm-hmm. there's... 
there, we're really lacking diversity in all senses of the yeah. word at Fairfield. Um, yes, in race and religion, but like in more nuanced topics too, like things that you can't necessarily see. People just like they whether they are or aren't, they present themselves the same yeah. as one another, and sometimes it's kind of overwhelming because. You don't know if you're the issue. Like, when you stand out, you're like, is it me? Or am I the only one being true to myself? You know, so am I really, you know, as different as I think I am? Or is it just that I'm the one not putting on a facade? So, yes, we have bonded over Fairfield originally maybe not being the place for us. And I don't, I still don't know if it is, to be honest, for me, at least. I mean, that question is very up in the air in my mind. Yes. But... Again, it can't all be pointed to the institution itself. So. <laughs> yes. So I think Fairfield is a wonderful place to be. It has a lot to offer. It has great opportunities, some great professors. It's a beautiful campus. Mm-hmm. Um, but like any school, it, it has its downfalls. And I think people are trying to raise attention to it for sure, mm-hmm. um, especially in terms of diversity and our lack thereof. But, you know, that for me is something that I struggle with sometimes on a day-to-day basis, just, you know, living life on campus yeah, and feeling like I'm kind of just like another pawn in this big Monopoly game. But, Mm, uh, yeah, I mean, that's like a whole existential angle there. And again, like I'm immersed by this all the time, I feel like, because I'm in three sociology classes that talk about race, class, gender all the time. Mm-hmm. And it's not like I'm always learning things that I don't already know. It's just you're in a hyper-aware state. Yes. And I think that those classes have given me confidence in the university just through taking them because they reflect what I've already known and I can see. And we are having those conversations. And the fact that those classes are a little bit more diverse is encouraging to me because yeah. I feel like I am surrounded by that a little bit more, mm-hmm. which is comforting to me. Maybe uh, I should take a sociology class. Sure. Maybe maybe that would be good for me. <laughs> be like a good minor for you. I just love it so much. And that's why I'm just I'm Aww. crazy. But. I'm so happy. Can't relate. Well, I like psych, but it is my third major, so it's okay. But I'm so happy that you feel like you're seeing it. Like you're seeing the effort being made. So, like, at an educational level, and I think even the professors that I have, they recognize some things. And student responses in certain classes can be a little bit shocking, but I think the fact that they're being exposed to it is maybe more encouraging than them staying in that ignorance. Yeah. Especially being freshmen and all of that. We can't expect everybody to know everything. Because at a certain point, I had to learn things, and I'm still learning things. That's the point of being here. Mm-hmm. So at least at the educational level, I feel like I'm encouraged. So That makes me so happy. I'm yeah. very glad. And also think about the fact that, okay, you and I, we're both white, and you know what? We have to kind of call attention to that, I feel like, because we've seen each other in the void. And who knows how many other people feel the same way or, like, they're part of this mass and... You just don't know. And on the outside looking in, you fit in. I wouldn't know unless I knew you. Yeah. And maybe we shouldn't automatically stereotype people that way anyway. It's just when you're surrounded by so much whiteness, it can be overwhelming. (laughs) It can. And I think it's important, too, though, to recognize that it's not just a racial divide. Yes. Like, the diversity spans far more than just race. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, can we just talk about how expensive it is to go here? Yes. yes, I know college is expensive in of itself, but it's very expensive, and therefore we're only catering to a specific demographic mm-hmm. of people. I know people from my high school who specifically didn't apply to Fairfield because they, they knew they couldn't afford it. Regardless of their intellect, they didn't apply here, and that is so limiting. Mm-hmm. And you know, that speaks to the type of people we have here in regards to monetary status, whether that's, mm-hmm. you know, for whatever reason, your family has a specific, you know, socioeconomic status that allows you to be a student here. And yes, there are students with scholarships for sure, but that doesn't necessarily, you know, speak to the masses. Sure. And then there are other, you know, categories in which people are you know, similar, whether that be religion. Like, yes, we're a Jesuit institution, though we don't require people to be, to practice any specific religion. A lot are. Mm -hmm. um, And that's what drew them here. And so many other characteristics that 
you know, either unite or divide people in some way. But diversity is a broad scope. Mm -hmm. And I feel like in many ways we're lacking. Yeah, even just regionally, the people that go here, it's very mm-hmm. East Coast. Um, yeah. And that's another thing. I'm taking a class about American society, and the fact that I have international students in that class is amazing. And that's I have so met cool. some. But I think that, you know, college is the time to meet people who are different than you. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's it's an encouraging thing that you have to go out and seek those things. Maybe for us, it's easy to say, oh, I'll just go with a person who looks like me, has the same socioeconomic background. They, they're very similar. But I think that where we grow is when we befriend people that are different. Yeah. Even just like our friendship of me being an extrovert, you being an introvert. We learn mm-hmm. so much from each other. And that's what keeps it interesting. Yes. Not us being like, oh, Oh, I love that nail color too. Let's, let's go do it. Oh, you know, like, it's not all about superficial things. And those yes. things are fine, but when it's only superficial, we're robbing ourselves of just, I guess, the human experience. Yes. And I mean, even thinking about our relationship, I can create an entire list of all the things that make us different. Mm-hmm. I think I would struggle to find similarities, which is <laughs> ironic, but. I mean, the amount of things I'm agreeing with you on this attract. podcast might contradict that. But. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. I think it's. It's really cool, and I encourage people to dive and take that sociology course. There might be a requirement. I think it's like an anthropology course on the Magis Core. But it has definitely enlightened me and made my experience here in that regard better, and I think that it does take time to find your people. Yeah. And we're all here trying to be – this is what the stereotype of Fairfield is, so maybe people feel like they need to subscribe to that more. And the fact that we're having this conversation might encourage people to just be themselves. Yes, we are the catalyst. We are. That is powerful. Self-proclaiming. But, you know, it's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Um, So why – I want to know, after all this, this it's so encouraging and very enlightening, hopefully, and I don't want to come off as judgmental. I appreciate (laughs) all people, and, you know, we just got to accept differences. Yes. Um, But I want to know what drew you to your psych major, and if that's too touchy of a topic, but... No. Um, Okay, so I will preface this by saying this is my third major. Since Um, being here? Since applying. Okay. So I applied as a social work major. Oh, wow. Um, Before I got to campus, I switched to behavioral neuroscience. Mm -hmm. And I'm about two months, that's generous, a month and a half maybe, (laughs) into being a psych major. I will say, though, that despite the major changes, my planned career has not changed. So um, I I think... I want to be a pediatric psychiatrist. I mean, that's a lie. That's such a lie. A pediatric psychologist. I did want to be a pediatric psychiatrist. But I think that's what I want to do. And that hasn't changed. But I am trying to find the major that best supports that. Gotcha. Um, Social work, I felt, was a little limiting. It was Mm -hmm. very specific. Um, And I wanted to come in at the macro level and then kind of hone in on what I wanted to Mm -hmm. do because it wasn't positive. So that's why I switched to behavioral neuroscience. Behavioral neuroscience was not what I expected it to be. Um, It was much more biologically based than Mm -hmm. psychology based, which was kind of disappointing for me. But I can psychiatry aspect, right? Which I can definitely understand why some students love it. Mm -hmm. It just wasn't for me. Um, So now we're in psych. Since we're like almost done with the first semester, it hasn't since changing to psych hasn't changed my course load at all. But I think I think we're on the right path. Um, But why am I interested in psychology? Um, that's a loaded question. First of all, I just like studying people, like studying behavior, why, how people work, why they, why they do the things they do. That mm-hmm. just fascinates me. Um, I feel like that's evidenced by our conversation thus far, but that's always been intriguing to me. I love children. I want to work with children so bad. And I know you can work with children in a lot, lots of different ways, but specifically, um, you know, I've babysat and nannied and mm-hmm. I've coached, like I've worked with children a lot in the last few years. And I love speaking to children kind of in philosophical ways and like hearing their thought process because children yeah. are really blunt. They'll, they'll really just it's tell so you wrong. whatever is on but their But it's so insightful sometimes. <laughs> it is. It's like it, it comes is. from straight out of like wherever they came from before they got yep. convoluted in this worldly mess. Exactly. So um, I've always known I wanted to work with kids. But psych specifically, um, so as I mentioned, I'm the youngest of three, and me and my oldest sister are super close. I've always been close. 
I'm my nickname is Midge in my family because I'm the midget version of her. <laughs> um, so we're like the same person, honestly. Um, but my middle sister and I have never really gotten along. Um, she kind of went through a rough patch in high school, and um, I feel like watching that happen. Since we grew up in the same home, we kind of lived the stereotypical life. Both parents lived in the home. Both mm-hmm. worked. We went to public school all our life, the same public schools for that matter. Um, I couldn't identify, like, what happened to her. And that sounds bad, but, like, I couldn't fathom how the two of us had grown up in the same home for 18 years, and yet mm-hmm. she went on one path and I went on one so different. Um so just talking to the psychologists that she worked with and the social workers that she worked with, I was kind of interested in how our environment, the whole nature versus nurture oh my gosh, dilemma. That was, that was coming to my brain, but, ugh. <laughs> but how our environment and how our behavior correlated or didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, the experiences of just watching a loved one go on a very different path and wondering why that happened and kind of thinking that in my own head, um, obviously not knowing much about psychology at the time, but that was really fascinating to me. So that was kind of my introduction to the realm of psych. And from there, it hasn't really changed. So I love that. I'm yeah. so in awe of psych majors because it's kind <laughs> of me, but different. <laughs> no, they're very similar in some ways, well, though. It's also more intense to be a psych major. I'll give you all I that. I don't think so. Well, my major's only 32 credits, hence my <laughs> psychological crisis, which we could dive into later. But just the whole, I mean, nature versus nurture is a sociological thing as well. Mm-hmm. And I, my mind was literally thinking about all of that. Yes. And another thing to write on the similarity list is the journey, because I originally came in as a politics major, and I always kind of wanted to be a lawyer, but my main umbrella of doing things was I always wanted to help people. That's mm-hmm. just what I feel called to do. But I think that I've... I feel that I've been gifted with a lot of talents, and I want to use those to help at a broader level, you know, and not to get too much into me, but basically I I realized, like, politics is not the way to do that. You kind of just get into a system, and then I switched to sociology through taking a course in high school that literally my eyes were open, didn't even know what it was, but it just spoke to me. So anybody who's out there a little bit confused, conflicted, it's okay to change, and finding something that you really identify with is maybe just why you're here at all. Yes. And I love that you said it took a specific course for you to know that Mm -hmm. because none of us know what we're doing. Like, I'm sorry, but even if you're like, okay, I'm going to be a neurologist, I'm a pre-med, like I'm on that track. I'm sorry, but that doesn't happen for most people that say those same things. Yes. So I think there's a lot of power in just being open to trying new classes Mm -hmm. and experiencing different like academic areas and you never know maybe you'll come across something that is really really fascinating to you and that's beautiful especially those courses that I'm talking about that I'm taking for my major that for a lot of other people I'm fortunate because even though it's a smaller major here at Fairfield it's like a big department because it's part of the Magis Corps so the people that I'm interacting with are sometimes are older classmen who are often wishing that they took these courses when they were younger or they would have done a minor or something like that. Yeah. So if you're hearing any of these things that, you know, in- interest you, you can go to psych or sociology, look at the courses, maybe just take one. It will probably fulfill a magic score requirement. And it, yeah. if it speaks to you now, it might even broaden where you're going with your life. So. Exactly. And there are growing fields, too. Yeah. So in terms of job market, you'll be great. And also, people shift their jobs all the time, even once they're yes. in like, the field. They pick what they want to do, and then they might go back to school, or they might have to reroute, shift, whatever. Mm-hmm. So, honestly, having more things on your resume, you know, could be helpful. Yeah. My mom's degree is in fashion marketing, and she's a lab assistant in a hospital. Wow. So, <laughs> you never know. I always say that, because yeah. I feel like it's just funny. But you never know where life is going to take you. So I mean, especially after you get your first job, usually it's, like, not even your degree that exactly matters it's the next job that you had so right. they just know that you have a bs or an ma or whatever and there you mm-hmm. go so this is so exciting <laughs> i just love talking to you and i feel like we're Aww. kind of giving people an insight into what really happens when we have our conversations in our 2 a.m campus walk conversations Exposed. yes that's a little bit more strained by fatigue and existentialism i think yeah. right now we're in a lack of sleep yes. but it's okay yes. <laughs> No, that's cool. And I think that we, you know, exposing ourselves maybe is good for other people because it's not really exposing ourselves. It's just us being us. Yes. So we need to take away that stigma. Mm -hmm. We're being vulnerable. 
Yeah. So, okay, let's see. I'm literally just going off of my bullets, and <laughs> I will say this conversation... See, I told you. I knew I had confidence in you. <laughs> We're going to sit down, and when we actually plan this out, it is going to be mind-blowing. Wow. That's a lot of pressure, but so, I'm up for it. No. Something I... No, it's not a lot of pressure. <laughs> the fact that I will out you a little bit. She was a little bit nervous to come on, and <laughs> I think everybody who's been listening for the past 40 minutes can tell you that there's You've no You've been on for why. 40 minutes? We've been on for 40 minutes. Wow. 20 minutes to go. That's insane. Anyway. That flew by. There's no... Yeah, right? You've wow. been doing so good. But what I want to get your perspective on is because this is something that I identify with you so much. Again, to the similarities. Oh, We're, I know what you're going to say. We are different. But... Minimalism? Yes. Yes, I knew it. <laughs> okay, yes. I identify as minimalist. It's a big part of my character, actually. And first of all, minimalism is not... Like, owning few things. It's not like I own one pair of clothes. Yes. Or, yes. I feel like that's a common misconception. Mm-hmm. People don't really understand, like, the philosophy behind minimalism. So mm-hmm. I encourage you to do your own research, if that's you. But I second that. <laughs> but my... I don't even know what my introduction to minimalism was. Like, I don't even know how I figured... How I it's heard about that. But, yes, it is a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And it's it's more of the idea of, like... I don't like clutter, mm-hmm. whether that's physical clutter, mental clutter. Um, I, I, I just, in my eyes, if I can accomplish the same things with a lesser amount on my plate, mm-hmm. then why would I ever, why would I ever take in more? Mm-hmm. So for me, like my dorm room, everyone seems to congregate to my dorm room, which I kind of love. I think it's so cute. <laughs> it's just such a welcome place. Oh, <laughs> thank you. I'm glad you feel that way. Um, it's literally always open. We never lock our door, which is probably an issue. But anyways, <laughs> should also shouldn't be saying that. But anyways, so um, everyone always like is like, oh, your room's so minimalistic and it's so simple. And I'm like, yeah, but in my eyes, if if I had to sleep and study and socialize in a space that had so much going on, Mm -hmm. I would never be able to separate those areas of my life. So for me, my room is where I sleep. I try my best to never do work in my room because then when I'm trying to sleep, I'm thinking about work. And I blur those two aspects of my life. And I really try to keep them separate by just doing work somewhere else and Mm -hmm. saving my room for sleep. But for example, if I had a bunch of things on my desk in my room, Mm -hmm. which the desk I mentally associate with doing schoolwork. So if I had a bunch of things on my desk and I'm sleeping at night and I'm staring at the desk that reminds me of doing schoolwork and it's busy, I'm drawn to that. I'm Mm -hmm. more attracted to doing schoolwork than I am to sleeping. And now I can't fall asleep and it's 3 a.m. and I'm walking around campus with Val talking about our existential crisis. So for me, creating a simple space physically and in my head that only thinks about things that are that parallel what it is that I'm trying to do in that moment is a much more relaxing and calming way to live life than having all these things and all this stuff circling through my head or circling through my environment that I am drawn to and that I'm attracted to to the point where I can't focus and I can't disassociate sleeping from studying or studying from eating and etc. No, I 100% agree with that. And I think that your awareness of it is awesome. And I think other people who aren't minimalist just are the same way. They just don't recognize yeah. that awareness because we do not understand how much possessions legitimately weigh us down. Mm-hmm. They're extensions of ourselves and they can literally stress us out even when there's nothing to be stressed about yeah so having a clear space it just frees the mind yes and i will so that's amazing and i think for me my backstory with it is i was third three third number three i'm (laughs) saying this so convoluted but the third sibling of four and i I, we all had our own rooms was very fortunate but i had the smallest one so they would, you know, get their toys or whatever they wanted. And I was always conscious. I don't have a place to put it. I don't know. It was just the smallest room. Mm-hmm. So I, that was always the way that I was. And I was always super conscious. I'm also like a frugal person, unnecessarily. Like, I, I mean, I just am very conscious about money. I can afford to maybe indulge more than I do. I just don't like to. I've never related to something more. So I feel yeah. the exact same way. Because in my eyes, so little tip if you're a shopping addict this is what i do so i love yes 
I love fashion, mm-hmm. which people often feel like contradicts the idea of minimalism. And I'm here to tell you that it does not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so a little tip that I do is if I, let's say I'm browsing Black Friday, which is Cyber Monday, mm-hmm. all the deals are extended, whatever. I'm browsing and I find a shirt that I like. I will add it to my cart and I'll save the tab. I won't close the tab and I'll minimize it on my screen or I'll make it like super, super small mm-hmm. and then put another tab above it. And if I can go two weeks and I don't think about that shirt, then I know that my the, the joy that would have been brought to me from owning that shirt would have lasted two weeks. And in my eyes, that's not worth it. Mm-hmm. So if I'm going to spend my money on something, it's not an instant gratification. It's something that's going to create prolonged happiness. So, for example, like a few weeks ago, I ordered boba mm-hmm. and I had it delivered here with Catherine and Emma. And it was the first time and the only time I've ever ordered food from or to campus because I just can't bear the thought of spending money on Grubhub or Uber yeah. or whatever or Uber yeah. Eats or whatever. So that's the only time and in theory it was instant gratification of me drinking the boba because obviously the boba is gone now Mm -hmm. but I remember that night because of the boba Mm -hmm. and now all of my memories of us freezing our butts off in the basement of jokes because people kept opening the doors waiting for the boba delivery person Mm -hmm. those are such fond memories in my eyes so spending the $12 for the the boba and delivery was Mm -hmm. worth it in my head because that brought me prolonged joy Um, So I definitely relate to the idea of being frugal, but I think in some instances Mm -hmm. it's okay to spend money, and I encourage myself to do this sometimes too, and I encourage you and other minimalists out there to spend money on things that you know will create happiness in your life. For sure, because then you also toe the line of hoarding things, and you can't take it with you. You die, you die, that's it. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I 100% agree with that. I think we do live in a consumerist society where people are hyper-focused on having things that they don't need or go into debt for that type of thing but Mm -hmm. there there's also extremes you know like I can be an extreme person and I can go one way or the other and just I don't know hi Alexa (laughs) we have a live fan there's a whole like party going on outside the studio today and there is and I'm really intrigued I don't. I hate to go too off topic here, but I think it's like prospective students or students who have committed. I yeah. feel intimidated. Maybe there's a whole Lucas the Stag out there. There is. He's waiting for his photo ops. <laughs> so anyway, um, yeah, we need to like say that it's okay because it is okay, and you know, especially if you work hard for your money, you deserve to spend it, and you know, there's within reason and all that stuff. Yes. So. But yeah, I definitely encourage people to look into minimalism. I. I think there's a documentary on Netflix, which is really, like, that's when I kind of coined the term when I watched it. That was a good documentary. And then you were talking, the whole sparking joy, that's kind of the Marie Kondo method. Yes. Oh, my God. I completely forgot about her. She's, like, the queen. The closet. Or doesn't she organize closets or something? Well, I think. Or does she do more than that? She does, like, certain ways of folding clothes, maybe. But I I think that the whole idea is, does this item spark joy if it doesn't get rid of it type thing? I haven't yes. investigated her too much. I think I've seen a couple YouTube videos here and there, but I've I've been familiar with the term. Mm-hmm. I read a, and that's Japanese minimalism, because that is like, wow, you are much more. Edu- See, I need to educate myself. No, I no. call myself a minimalist, and I no, but you're like in practice. That's the way to be. That's you know bringing things into your life intentionally. It's okay yes. to have things. Just be intentional about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm also like an extremist so I, <laughs> I i i literally say like absolutist ideals are not good They're, nothing is entirely one way or the other but i just i don't know i take give me an inch i'll go a mile <laughs> so anyway i've researched this if you're interested there's literally an audiobook i what is it called it's called goodbye things and it's literally translated from japanese but it, literally life-changing it was wow. Japanese minimalism, and the guy was just talking about he had a book collection and he had books, so people thought he was smart, but he didn't even like the books, and he just <laughs> ended up getting rid of it and saving money, and I don't know. You just interesting. It's pretty cool. I'm gonna take a listen. Yeah, and if you're really just like not wanting to listen to a book or read a book, Netflix documentary. I, I think it's like called The Minimalist or something. I've, I've heard of that. It. I've never seen it, pretty but good. I have heard of like a documentary on Netflix about it. So yeah, so I think that kick-started my actual coining of the term but it's just you know be intentional yes. and i love that intentionality that's really the highlight of it because honestly that frees you 
and allows you to live the life that you're meant to. Mm-hmm. Not being bogged down by other things. It allows you to focus on what's actually important, not yeah. 100%. the amount of things you own. Sorry, I hate to take over your segment. <laughs> no. Anyway, but we forgot to do something important, what and that was have some callers call in. Now, I have done this like three times, and nobody has called in except for Erin when she was in the studio. <laughs> and I, like, was very confused. So, Ella, why don't you go ahead and read that number and hope that somebody calls us. Okay. You can reach us at 203-254-4111. Please call. Please do call because I have never used this phone and we know that I have struggles with the technology of the studio. So, I'll probably mess it up. But it'll be fun. It will be a blast. You know. Hit us with the hard-hitting questions. What do you want to know? Like, what what do you need to ask Ella? Because she is so intelligent. Wow. Thank you. You're so intelligent. Thank you. Thank you. That's so sweet. I love this. Positivity, y'all. Yes. You know, we need to find people that we can be real with. Because I feel like when I'm in the presence of Ella, even just the vibe of this podcast, I can tell already is very different than my other ones because I'm really? super hyper. And you have Which I don't know presence. how. Because you've been working your butt I've off been all day. Deprived, so that could be contributing yeah. to why I'm this way. However, you have a very calming presence. And I appreciate uh, that. Maybe it's the minimalist in me. Maybe yeah. it's the fact that I only wear black, white, or shades of brown. <laughs> no, it's just like, I can come to you and be like, ah! And you're just like, thou, okay. And like, that's just, yeah. Where oh, a lot of people you. will be like, what? You know? I mean, I am that way. Uh, it's awesome. And that gives me the confidence you'd be an excellent child psychologist. Because as much Thank as I you. love children myself and I would love to help them in any way that I can, I know that they would not benefit from me sitting down with them. Because they would just be... I don't think that's true. In in that type of specific environment. I mean, obviously, I have worked with children in the past and I love it. And, I, and they've responded well. I'm not going to, you know, go too negative here. But l- the fact of just sitting down and helping them and... I'm psychoanalyzing. <laughs> you know, yeah. you'd be so good at that. And you'd Thank be able to uncover you. those things, pick up on the small signals. Yeah. I awesome. hope it works out. <laughs> we'll see. Ugh, no one's calling. I know. But anyway, I'm there's no in our chat. audience today. I know. See, I told you no one listens. So many people listen. <laughs> so many people. Um, I bet I bet there's so many calls going through that phone right now that it's not even ringing. No, because there's just so many. It doesn't no. even know which call to pick up. Oh, it's not happening. Nope. Well, anyway. So I guess I can't not have the psych major on my favorite segment, which is not a psych major psychoanalysis. And we decided that we were going to psychoanalyze campus food, which after all of this deep conversation seems a little bit surface level, but at the same time... No, 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 no. I'm very passionate. Oh, okay. It is not surface level. Pop off. Okay, so... I will preface this by saying I'm a picky eater. Mm. Not in the sense that I won't try things, because I'm willing to try virtually anything, but in the sense that I'm a creature of habit. If I find something I like, I have no issue eating it every single meal of every single day Mm -hmm. for a very long time. So, on campus, first of all, Levy, never eaten there. That's a lie. Actually, I ate there once. I had two chicken nuggets. (sighs) Um, Subpar, exactly as you expect, in my opinion, Mm. but so inconvenient. So inconvenient. And I know it was probably for juniors that are in the townhouses because it's closed for them when they drive. And prep. Oh, I didn't know that. And also, like, families. Because I've seen parents go there because they sell alcohol there. Yeah. And they, yeah. Yeah. Because why else would they have a stash full of fridge when 75% of the campus is, they can't legally. Exactly. So, it's, if I were to rate, let's, let's do ratings. Okay. Okay. One through five. Pick an emoji. What's going to be your emoji? We'll rate using emojis. That's oh, my fave. Smiley face? Okay. Mine is going to be um, a Christmas tree. Okay. Because it's almost Christmas. I'm going to rate a 2.8 Christmas trees <laughs> for, for the levy. For the levy? Yes. Okay. I'll give it a three. I'll okay. give it a three. Okay, fair. So then we have the sushi what is it called? Sushi? Oh, do? the sushi station. Sushi dough? I don't know. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, here's my thought process. Sushi, actually my favorite food in the world. Mm-hmm. However, it's it's subpar sushi. It is not good sushi. Mm-hmm. But additionally, half of it isn't even a meal swipe. What is up with that? <laughs> if there's any raw fish, it's not a meal swipe, which sushi yeah. is literally supposed to be raw fish. So, um, a three. 
No, that's that's generous. That's generous. Let's do a two point four Christmas tree. Mine's a one point five. Oh wow! Face. And my okay, my one point five. The reason why I got the one point five yes. is because I think it's awesome that they have it, and the lady yes. who runs it is so. Oh, famous. she's an angel. She's amazing. I love her. I love when she works in the diner because then I can see her. Yes. Um, but as far as I've gotten it like once mm-hmm. and I went up there, she said, that's not part of a meal swipe, but I thought it was not anyway, which she was super nice about it. Um, and then I held up a line. There was nobody in the line. And then by the time I left, there were five people behind <laughs> me. That's just my life. Uh, and the sushi was not good. I also don't know how to use chopsticks, which is bad. Uh. So I had to like take it back to my room and not be judged. And then immediately my roommate walked in. So I was just, mm. I don't know. I'm exposing myself on the <laughs> Um, and it wasn't that good. You can't get half of it. And I'm also just not, I don't know. Some of the, like, the shrimp chips, they kind of disturb me every time I look at them. So yeah. Maybe they're good. I haven't had them, but. I don't know. It's underwhelming. But. The diner. No. The diner we save for last. Oh, sorry. Tully. Tully. Okay. I. Oh, we can't forget the food trucks. Okay. Food trucks. Let's do food trucks. Okay. Food trucks, very hit or miss. Mm. It really depends. Rita's Pita's, lovely. Line, always so long. Mm-hmm. But food's good. Um, that's the only one. Oh no, I have had Taste of Grill. It was okay, not as good as Rita's mm-hmm. Pita's, but it was okay. Those are the only two I've ever had. So I feel like I I'm not educated enough on the food truck selection to rate. Neither am I. I will say I've gone by, and I'm not a huge fried food person. Yeah, me neither. Like I, people think I'm crazy. I don't really like fries. So anyway, mm-hmm. anytime they have that kind of stuff soaked in grease, I know it's just giving me a stomach ache. So I just kind exactly. of look at what they have and then leave. Yeah. But I did go to the plate, like the last Friday that we were here. So good. Acai bowl, so I've heard good. good things. I've never made it there because they're only on Fridays and yeah. they tend to be hectic for me. But yeah. and they're only everyone says grade. that. Yeah. So I would give them three smiley faces just because it's awesome that they have it. Like, what's cool yes. to say that? And also the ones that I have. The one time, I've went once. <laughs> the one time was a five out of five, but the other times I've been to like perspectively get something nothing interested me yeah okay the tully wait what was your rating for the food truck i don't think i'm educated enough to rate right. i don't i don't tully. i haven't experienced it okay. enough okay. the tully i have very strong feelings about the tully i will say food i feel like it's as good as you could get for a school I university dining hall so i'm not it's not even about the food it's about the experience the tully is the most anxiety inducing place on campus and i stand by that it is so overwhelming i hate it in there and i use the word hate sparingly because i know it's really really strong word mm-hmm. but i hate it in there it's so overwhelming i also have to swipe in myself and the person at the lovely staff working at mm-hmm. the counter when you swipe in can notice that my car doesn't scan and I have to swipe it and it's the most embarrassing point in my life. And then I proceed to go into the dining hall where I feel like everyone and their mother is looking at me, even though no one is looking at me and literally no one cares. But it's just, it's the shape of the room. It's how crowded it is at all times. I hate the it. The stations are not in a row either. Like you kind of have to yes. hop around to get yes. I understand that, and I feel that. I'm the type of person that's like, I'll sit alone in the toilet, I won't care. I'll pop up my computer and work there for hours, because it's just like, the windows are amazing. So I'm going to be more positive about it and say, I do enjoy the toilet, so I'm going to give it a four, but also there are days, what, last week, horrible. Really? I, the first time I went to the toilet, <laughs> could not find anything. And I mean anything. <laughs> I was scared. Wow. So four. I'm going to give it a two. Right. The two. Well, in the final remaining time that we have, let's go diner. We'll make it a rapid round. Oh, the diner. Amazing. Are the foods, is the food selection small? Yes. But we have the Greek quinoa salad. It needs its own shout out. It's amazing. It does. It's delicious. You it's the me best. To it, and I'm so I, grateful. I'm so passionate about that salad. I also get a wrap, spinach wrap, provolone turkey, mm. lettuce, tomato, oil, and vinegar. Mm. Love. Delish. Delicious. How do we feel about diner? The diner? Honestly, five out of five. Uh, well, maybe, okay, I'll give 4.5 just because, you know what, we could use a little bit of spice of life here and there, but it's just so reliable. And it's convenient. It's grab and go. And the staff is so nice. They are. They They're are. so nice. They're lovely. Five out of five. Uh, five Christmas trees for the diner. Oh, I can really stop, but I'm going to stick by my 4.5. I will stick by <laughs> it. But anyway, that was a good psychoanalysis segment, and we have been so engaged in this conversation. We're even going seconds over, but wow, Ella, thank you. No, and thank I mean, you. thank you. 
Thank you. This was an incredible episode. Oh, I'm so glad. I had a great time. Thank you for being a supporter. Thank you for, this is a true example of a listener coming on and being a guest, and I'm so grateful. (laughs) Well, anyway, is there any last parting words you want to say? Um, Val's the best. Go to the diner and try the Greek quinoa salad. Mm -hmm. And, um... Stop trying to identify yourself because identity is a social construct and there's no goal. So, word. Well, what's that? <laughs> I hope you all enjoy the rest of your day. And that's yes. the end of our episode. So bye for now, pals. It's Val signing off and I'll see you next time.